Morning and a very happy hump day to you. It can only go downhill from now. And I hope you're having a good day so far. Early moments yet. There's lots to happen for the day, but it is a wonderful day because it is the day that the Lord has made. So rejoice and be glad in it. And that's what we need to do. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we had a discussion about reserve currency. Russia and China challenging the hegemony of the U.S. digital US currency, not the digital currency. And of course, in that conversation, inevitably, we talked about the digital currency, the central bank digital currencies that are popping up everywhere, the confusion that arises about what they actually are, and how they affect the world's global economy, and certainly here in Antigua and Barbuda. So we left you on a little bit of a cliffhanger. And I would like to welcome my guest back, Ari Aksumit. Good morning again, Gary. Good morning. Now, we left you on the little cliffhanger saying that if we had an East and a West currency or a digital currency, where does that leave Antigua and Barbuda with a currency that is tied to the US dollar and a lot of input from the BRIC countries, particularly China? So we could be stuck right in the middle. And of course, part of that challenge is this central bank digital currency. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week time, Gary, but could you just remind us what is a central bank digital currency? Well, first of all, I think we're going to have to figure out how to call it something other than currency, because currency implies something that has an intrinsic value. And this is just, a, I, I, I call it a unit of measure. I mean, that sounds a little bit... Uh, you know, overeducated, but it is just some way of transacting. I mean, really, this goes back to ancient times when we had scrip. You know, if you worked in a coal mine, you had a company store scrip. I mean, it's it's just something that I show up with and I pay you and you pay me and that's it. Um, the scary part about it is the digital aspect of this. The digital aspect of this now means that when we have transactions, there will be absolutely no anonymity whatsoever. And this will allow governments to then um, control, you know, I, I use the reference of closing the gun show loophole in the United States. You won't be able to go to a gun show and buy a gun because there won't be any paper currency. There won't be any ability to just go buy an off-the-counter gun. You won't be able to buy off-the-counter gold they will be able to control where you shop. You will actually have a social credit score. Ouch. Which means if you have a history of being a rebel rouser, they can control you with that. Wow. Now, well, before we get on to the really scary aspects of this, basically it is a dollar. Yeah. yeah. But it's digital. Yeah, it's digital. <laughs> so, so it's really, how different is it? Is it any different from using a debit card? No, no, no. You, you, That's all it is. And, and this is the thing that I think is going to be interesting is, I don't know whether you're actually going to have a debit card from your bank anymore. I think you're probably going to end up getting a debit card from the central bank of the country that you're living in, meaning in the United States you will get a Federal Reserve debit card. The banks will be cut out of this, so to speak. Now, not to say this isn't an unholy alliance between the banks and, and, and the Federal Reserve because bankers are the, the ultimate rent seekers and they're not going to give up their corner of the monopoly. And rent seeking is a word that I would advise your listeners to definitely yeah, no, Google. This, this <laughs> is a word, yeah, definitely need to look up this word. Yeah. Basically, what it means is that you are increasing wealth 
but you're not creating wealth. No, no, no. So it's kind of just consumerism in a way. So that the, the global the global economy is not not growing, it's not increasing. We're in this stagflation, mm -hmm. but some people are getting richer, mm -hmm. but nothing else is developing. Is that is that a, an accurate summing up? That's that? accurate, and I, I hate to sound overly cynical, but let's be honest. Ever since we went off the pound sterling or the gold standard in the United States dollar, we've seen the, our our representative currencies drop in value by 90, 95 percent, whatever number you want to throw out there. So let's say that over the past 50 years, we maybe haven't created a whole lot of wealth, to be perfectly pragmatic. Now, is this because the currencies that we use are no longer tied to a gold reserve? They're no longer tied to anything physically. They're just bits mm -hmm. of paper or bits mm -hmm. of copper or brass or whatever, mm -hmm. with yes. no intrinsic value at there, all. There's no intrinsic on. value whatsoever. So when people get all shook up about a digital currency that has no intrinsic value, I kind of roll my eyes. I'm like, well, the piece of paper that you have in your pocket is only valuable because someone says it is. That is true. Wow. I mean, this, this, this what scares me here is you've got China with the digital UN. Mm -hmm. You've got Venezuela, they call it Bit Bitcoin, <laughs> which is even more confusing, we'll come to that yeah. later. The Bank of England is developing, Brazil is developing, Zimbabwe is developing mm -hmm. it, Russia is mm -hmm. developing mm -hmm. it. As far as I can see, this gives the banks more control than the government. Absolutely, it's complete control. It's, it, I mean, it, 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 this, this takes us to a point, like I said, of no anonymity. You talk about the social credit score. You ask about what is the, what is the destiny for the Eastern Caribbean dollar? Okay, well, if your government can control where you travel, then what happens? I can't get on a cruise ship because I don't have a good enough social credit score. I can't get on an airplane. I can't fly to the Caribbean. I can't go on vacation. I can't go to London. London doesn't want me. Then this also goes back to the interoperability that we talked about last yep. week of, I can't take my United States Central Bank digital currency card and go to Piccadilly and buy something because their currency is different than our currency. Now, people say, well, it already is. We've got a pound and we've got a dollar. The point is, I can figure out a way of exchanging a dollar for a pound. Digitally, you can't. It's absolutely finite. It is a digital iron curtain. Wow. So it's that, it's yes. that restrictive. It's that restrictive. And they want it that restrictive for a couple of reasons. To be able to control illicit activity, but also to be able to tax every single transaction that you do. Now put this in the concept of why the Federal Reserve and the Treasury in the United States love the idea of a digital dollar, is because now tax revenue can be can collected in real time. See, today if I am a self-employed individual and I make money during the year, maybe quarterly I make payments, but Ultimately, at the end of the year is when I square up with the United States government. So yeah. if I had a $100,000 windfall this year, I can use the government's money all year long. I could make that windfall on January 2nd of 2022 and maybe not have to write a check to the government until May of 2023. That's over. Now, anytime I do a transaction with my digital dollar, all of that is pre-wired into the code where the money immediately goes to the Treasury. Oh, the, the government's already, the government rather than the central banks already, well, they both have us a little bit tied over a barrel. The government, you're taxed, everything is taxed, mm -hmm. and then it's retaxed. Mm -hmm. um, you, you have a pension, for example, you pay tax mm -hmm. on the money, you build up the pension, then they tax the pension. Mm -hmm. So they've got, got us fairly heavily on tax. Mm -hmm. Antigua and Barbuda, we pay every month, I think, we're mm -hmm. supposed to pay things, so we keep that up. Mm -hmm. But if this were a digital globe, mm -hmm. 
they would just take it automatically. Take it automatically. And what really, really, really worries me, being a, a lowercase or a small g government guy, I'm an old school conservative, I cannot believe that the conservatives of the globe are okay with a digital dollar or a digital currency at all. Because what this does is this inserts the Federal Reserve, the central bank, whatever your, whatever your, your currency uh, oversight group is in the country that you live, this makes them more powerful than lawmakers. Because in addition to collecting taxes, now in order to stimulate the economy, instead of sending out shotgun blasts of stimulus, as we talked about in the previous interview, now they can look at the very, very wealthy who, you know, you have money supply, M1, M2, M3. They can look at M1 and go, you know what, there's a trillion dollars worth of money tied up in savings right now. So we're just going to flip all of those savings accounts to having a negative interest rate. So what is M1, M2, and M3? Those are, those are the different levels of cash savings. M1 right. is checking. Just think right. of that as in your checking account. M2 gets into money market and, and, and more long-term savings. M3 is truly money market, long-term savings, and so on and so forth. The Federal Reserve in the United States looks at M1 as a gauge of, is there money that's tied up that people are not spending? And that's where we got into trouble is, is that they were sending out stimulus checks at the same time Americans were saving money because they weren't going out shopping and going to grocery stores. So now we have an M1 bubble. If they had a digital currency right now, they could break that M1 bubble by turning people's checking accounts to having a negative interest rate. They're going to be more powerful than lawmakers. Lawmakers are going to become nothing more than, you know, the, the with all due respect, uh, Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia, the uh, table of Damascus scene. You know, where everybody's screaming and yelling and having a hissy fit. Well, good for you. You don't do anything. I mean, this this is giving governments a lot of power. The other thing that really worries me about this is, is we just had a we had a near death experience in the United States with with an autocratic um, <laughs> regime. Yes. If someone was an autocrat in the United States and, and wanted to appoint governors to the Federal Reserve Bank that were friendly to him, it would make him the wealthiest and the most powerful man in the world with a digital dollar. Wow. Well, we've, we've seen that leg legislatively, haven't yes. we, in the U.S., trying yes. to do exactly yes. that. The, the, so so the, the, the banks would take control, but the government, would the government still control the banks? Well, I mean, let's be honest. Right now, the Federal Reserve is in the United States, it's really an unmanaged organization. You, you, you appoint people to the Federal Reserve Board, but there's really no oversight by the government. We really don't know what the Federal Reserve's balance sheet is. Well, I've never actually been a conspiracy theorist. No. And when people start talking about the cabal mm -hmm. that takes mm -hmm. over the world, I've always kind of, have to say, laughed at it. Mm -hmm. But I'm beginning to wonder if this banking cabal is a real thing. Uh, you know, there was a time in my life where I fantasized that I wanted to go to to uh, to see the, the the what goes on in Davos, and yeah. now I'm getting to the point where I feel like I would probably need to take a bath. Now Davos, of course, is the, the place world in economic, Switzerland, yeah, the world, world economic, economic forum. forum. Yeah, I, I think hanging around those people would really make me creep out because they 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 have this this idea that somehow the government can solve all problems, and sadly. Citizens have this idea that the government can save us. Yeah, and and it's ridiculous. And this is all a manifestation of consumerism. And and that goes back to the how CBDC, the central bank digital currency, ties into consumerism. We, 
are a consumerism economy top to bottom. We are we are the quintessential Jenga tower. Wow. Economic Jenga. One, one little out. block out, and what did we see from COVID? You take one little block out, and it all comes crashing down. Now, when I think I said at the when we spoke last, when we went to the UK for a holiday this mm -hmm. year, mm -hmm. we found that many places now will not accept cash. Mm -hmm. But you have the choice to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this would leave us with no choice. No choice. No choice whatsoever. And what about a country like Antigua and Barbuda, where we are often paid in cash or with a cheque? I mean, people don't have that sort of bank account. I have no clue. I mean, I, I, I wish I could even pontificate on that, but I have no clue whatsoever how that would work. Um, you know, uh, and this is what we talked about in the previous interview view of, of creating a, a black market economy. Yeah. You know, there's going to be people that are just going to opt out. And, and how will they, they will have to function amongst mm -hmm. themselves because mm -hmm. you won't be able to, mm -hmm. to opt out and use cash. Mm -hmm. Do you think this is actually going to happen in the near future? Not just, they're all looking at digital currencies, but this complete elimination of cash. No, no, it's going to happen, and, and, and this is going to happen around black swan events um, to, to conjure up Winston Churchill, never let a good crisis go to waste. If absolutely. Okay. Could you just con, con, con explain uh, black, black swan, swan Black events? swan events are those things that the economist and and the people who try to create sophisticated models to predict what the future of the world is going to look like this is when the wheels fall off these are the events you know in statistics they refer to it as a bell curve there's yeah. usually some sort of a curve the statistical top of that curve is the most likely things that are going to happen and you get out to the tails of that curve are the things that are unlikely to happen 2008 as anybody who's ever watched the, all the different movies that manifested out of the 2008 housing crash, people realize things happened that no one could even contemplate. That's when they roll out things like this. And that is a black swan. Event. That is a black swan. Well, COVID. Is, COVID was a black, and there's more coming. I I think we're right now. I, I've been watching something diligently uh, for the for the listeners. Please. Uh, type in Lake Mead in the United States, which is the water reservoir above Hoover Dam on the Colorado River. And now this the, is almost dry, isn't it? They've discovered all sorts of... It's, it is dry, and actually there was a, 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 an intervention yesterday where they stepped in and, and mandated that the state of Arizona is going to use 21% less water than they did last year because of this. I think we are watching in real time the very first trillion dollar natural disaster happening in the American Southwest. And how, what is actually, do you predict, is going to happen with this? They've obviously got to use 21% water, less mm -hmm. water, which mm -hmm. is a challenge in mm -hmm. itself, but mm -hmm. they are also, in that area, the prime producer of nuts. nuts. You like your navel oranges? Do you like your almond milk? Um, I think the, the thing that I'm going to watch is there's something called the uh, 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 Colorado River Aqueduct. It runs from the Colorado River into the Central Valley in California. And I'm going to be watching that like a hawk. Why is that important? Tulare County, Colorado, or California is the number one dairy producing county in California, the number one nut producing county in California. It's where your navel, a vast majority of navel oranges come from. That's the Central Valley. If that water gets shut off going into the Central Valley of California, most people don't realize it takes a thousand gallons of water to create one gallon of almond milk. 
it takes a thousand gallons of water to create one gallon of milk. Now I'm not saying the cow drinks a thousand gallons of water, I'm saying through the, the roughage, the corn, yeah. okay? The point is inflation, inflation, inflation. And this is where the central, we come back to the conversation of central bank digital currencies. The only way the federal governments of the world are going to be able to keep their, their people calm is to somehow start feeding money into people individually. Because this idea of going back to 2% inflation is a la la talk. But okay, we've, we've seen that over the last, over the pandemic crisis, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. governments pumping money mm -hmm. into people. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people were no worse off, even though they weren't working, <laughs> thanks to various governments. Yeah. So, so that must have bashed our economy globally. We just dis destroyed. We destroyed our. We, we've done it twice in one decade. Yeah. I mean, the beginning of the 2010s and the end of the 2010s, basically, we destroyed our global economy twice. And and the problem with it is, is as I spoke about in the previous interview, it's a shotgun blast. Okay. Yeah. The the waiters and the bartenders couldn't go to work, so we sent them checks. But we also sent the consumers who used to go to the bars and restaurants checks, but they weren't going to the restaurants anymore, so they were saving the money. So pretty soon you created distortions, and that's what we have now, and that's why we have this stagflation. You have some people who are no better off than they were before COVID, and you have some people that made down payments on homes because they had stimulus money. It was completely wow. out of whack. This is where the digital currency, the central bank digital currencies can be be laser sighted to subsidize specific groups of people. And then this gets into the uh, UBI, universal basic income, which is the idea that at some point in time, we will have to start subsidizing incomes. Now, is, is this digital currency, is this actually what people want? Or is this just another example of that wonderful word, pluralistic ignorance? It's pluralistic ignorance. I mean, this is, this is the craziest thing. I, I've started to wonder if the human brain was really designed to absorb as much information as we do. In the past 20 years in our lives, we've been overwhelmed with information. When I was a kid, we had three TV channels out on the ranch in Nebraska. You watched the CBS Evening News because it was the only channel that came in that wasn't all staticky. You got 30 minutes worth of world news. That was good enough. Now it's 24-7. I can wake up in the middle of night and pull up Google and see what's trending. Just okay? to depress yourself. So, so that's where the pluralistic ignorance comes in, is that we're so overwhelmed with information that we're not paying attention to the important stuff. The pluralistic ignorance, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, is when um, people believe or people, mm -hmm. people convey the thought that the minority is the majority, <laughs> basically, isn't it? Yeah. The minority views, yes. we've seen it in all sorts of ridiculous things around the world at the moment, that, that cancel culture, mm -hmm. that, that wokeness, mm -hmm. that ridiculousness. I think this, therefore this must be, the it majority must, be must agree with me. Yes, yes. And but that's it, what this, that's basically it, pluralistic That's ignorance. pluralistic ignorance, but it's also the other side of that coin is, is it, it puts blinders on you. Yes, because absolutely. you only want to hear, you only want to see the things that are relevant to what's on your mind. So when someone says a, a central bank digital currency, someone goes, well, I don't like Bitcoin. They're not the same. Exactly. Do your research, Let, let's, please. Yeah, let's just mention this again, and I know we surprised a lot of people. Digital currency is not a cryptocurrency. No, no. It's cryptographic, but it's yeah. not a cryptocurrency. Yes. A digital currency is tied to the banks. Yes. The banks dictate the rate, the banks dictate a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, despite the fact that Venezuela calls their right. digital right. currency Bitcoin. Right. Bitcoin is not a fiat currency. No. No. It is an independent, decentralized country, mm -hmm. uh, currency. currency. Yep. But when the central banks start talking about the digital currency, mm -hmm. would you say that, that 
they actually seed that confusion deliberately? Absolutely, and this is, the, you know, and I don't want to sound overly cynical here, but I spent too damn much time inside the Beltway in Washington, D.C., okay? I know the ignorance games that they play. Yeah. Okay, we've got 70 lawmakers in the House and the Senate in, in, in Washington, D.C. who are in violation of, of, of actually trading stock while they're in office. Nobody's doing anything about it. Why? We're busy watching the Trump trials. This, this, this is all kabuki theater. It's all watch this hand and this hand's going to come and slap you side the face. The thing that I just don't think people are fully grasping is you are not going to be a sovereign citizen anymore. You are not going to retire in the context that my parents retired. My mom left the FDIC in, in 2001 and she gets a pension every month and she gets to go out and play in her flower garden. The days of having a vehicle that's paid for, a house is paid for, and, and your bills paid, that's gone. We're, we're now moving into a fully integrated hamster wheel consumerism economy built around rent seeking. And if the, cons if the listener doesn't know what rent seeking is, you need to read, you need to make yourself aware. It is truly a fully integrated hamster wheel, top to bottom. You are going to work at Walmart as a greeter until the day you die to pay your health insurance. And the, the idea of going back to 2% inflation is crazy talk. We're going to live in a world where, as I said in a previous interview, a car is going to cost a couple hundred thousand dollars. You're never going to own that car. Today, my mom has a little $7,000 car parked in the garage and she doesn't have to make payments on it. Those days are coming to an end. Cars are going to become so complicated and so expensive, you're not going to be able to own the thing. So, so, so this, this working forever, this is just, uh, you think, caused by the inflation? Absolutely. And of course, this, this rent seeking, which cr creates no new wealth, but Absolutely. just keeps on Absolutely. increasing. And, and, you know, and this, is, this is incredibly hard for me to say. I grew up as a Reagan Thatcher conservative. But trickle-down economics was a ball-face lie. What's trickle-down economics? Was the idea that somehow we could have um, very forward-thinking tax policies that the very, very rich were going to create businesses and the poor were going to work for them. Well, there was one problem with that, that they didn't come into, into the thought process. Trickle-down economics would have worked fine back in the post-World War II industrial era, but nobody had any concept of the computer. So now you end up with people like Jeff Bezos and, and Musk and, and you know, that you can list the regular cast of characters. They don't create enough jobs to burn through the wealth that they're creating. So the money's flowing up and it's not flowing down. And it's going to keep flowing up. It's going to keep flowing because up. Because of this, this rent seeking. Because of the rent seeking. Let's put it this way. When is the last time you heard the CEO of a Wall Street bank say, I sure do wish these economic black swan events would stop. Not something they talk about. No, because it benefits them. Okay, okay it benefits them, plain and simple. By repealing Glass-Steagall and replacing it with Graham Leach-Bliley, it opened the door, and please for the readers or the listeners, Google that, but it opened the door to monkey business. And Bretton Woods, by, by, by undoing Bretton Woods in the early 70s, it's, it's just turned our economies into casinos. Wow, that, that is a frightening thought. But what about, I mean, how does this affect the retail economy, the real everyday economy that we all live with, the shopping that we do, the food that we shop for? Well, this, this goes back to your social credit score. Right. Do you want to go into that store? Well, you may not be able to go in that store. 
based upon your social credit score, you may not be entitled to walk into that store and even look whether you want to buy or is, not. Is it going to get that extreme? Yes, I think, think it's going to get that extreme because as, as people get more um, financially disillusioned, um, people will act more irrationally and the government then will counterbalance that by acting irrationally. When the government doesn't trust its people, its people shouldn't trust the government and we're now in that death spiral. You know, it, Thomas Jefferson in the United States <clears throat> said people to get the government that they deserve and that's where we are right now. We have a government that's afraid of us and they're going to try to control the people as much as they can. And on top of that, the idea of having businesses that you go into and actually shop at, um, eventually you're going to have boxes literally that you, you know, in the United States, fast food boxes. You, 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 you do your order on your phone and your order is ready and you go up and you get your you get your food out of the box. It's not going to be like McDonald's where you walk in and there's 10 people in back cooking burgers and french fries. That's all that's all moving away. It's it's going to become a very um, unfriendly world, I'm afraid. Yeah, you are painting a picture of a very dystopian way 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 beyond 1984. And and, and I'm an optimist and that's what really 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 makes me mad. I am a career entrepreneur. I by nature an entrepreneur has to look at the horizon and dream. And after the past decade or so, I've quit dreaming. Right. And that so, bothers me in a lot of ways. So is there a scenario where the digital dollar, the digital currency becomes little more than a compulsory debit card? That's all it is. That's all it is. But if, if that is the case, if we, we are, all of us is, are forced to mm -hmm. use this, how can, it, how can it stop us going into a shop? I imagine we will come to the day when you will have to scan but at the moment, you use your, I use my debit card, mm -hmm. and my debit card is an eCab debit mm -hmm. card. I use mm -hmm. it here. I could use it in the UK. Mm -hmm. Could I use it in the UK? I think I could. No, mm -hmm. I couldn't. But I could use it in the US because mm -hmm. it's also mm -hmm. tied to the US mm -hmm. dollar. Mm -hmm. So I can use it in two countries. Mm -hmm. But back to the interoperability, if, we go, to a, interoperability if we go to a issue, true yeah. central bank digital currency, they want to be able to control the transactions completely explicitly within the borders. Of so we're talking like that we were talking last time about the separate reserve currencies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Each digital currency, there won't be a central digital currency mm -hmm. Interact, interoperability, as you mm -hmm. said, it will all be America, mm -hmm. Venezuela, mm -hmm. the UK. Or it could, as we said, we could have a, an Eastern and a Western. Maybe, maybe at some point, China, Russia, India, those countries, they have their own, and you can't go on their land without that currency. But at the moment, thinking we, we have, obviously, we have paper, which is mm -hmm. nice and tangible. Mm -hmm. But if I want to go to Switzerland, mm -hmm. I just go to change the money, sure. exchange the money. Yeah. Would digital currency be not work similarly in that respect? Yeah. I've got a digital currency card. I can't quite picture how it would work because it's all intangible. But it, but but it goes back to your it goes back to your social credit score. Maybe you won't be able to convert because maybe you you haven't paid your taxes last year. Oh wow! So it's you know, I, I, a few weeks ago there was a funeral I attended, and and one of the people of the family couldn't come to the funeral because he hadn't paid his child support, and and he was stopped basically at the airport saying you haven't paid your child support, you can't leave. These are real tangible digital walls that are coming up around us that they can control us with.
So what about crime? I mean, I mean, at the moment, the central banks assume that we're all criminals. We're all criminals, quite clearly. You can see criminal face here. Uh, the vast millions that I money launder or could money launder. So already they make that assumption. Obviously, with a digital currency, would that cut down crime? Criminals will always find a way to well, get around things. I, I know... I know that that's what the IMF is looking at. The IMF is looking at this from the perspective, really, of human trafficking. Yeah. They say, you know what, if we had digital currencies, that would, that would really make human trafficking very, very impossible. The problem with that is, as we talked about in the previous interview, the net effect of that is, is the black market economy, yeah. the secondary economy. What, what, the, what I see happening so often in my life is, is that I see laws make law-abiding people into criminals. Yeah. Not the okay. other way around. You know. That's, that's uh, sad. Yeah. So someone Cynical. gets frustrated and says, I'm not going to live my life like this anymore. They go live in a, in, a, in a black market economy. Now the central bank looks at them and says, well, now you're a criminal. Well, no, I'm not. I just don't want to play by your rules. It doesn't make me a criminal. You know. They, we need to we need to allow the public to have a little bit of breathing room, but I'm I'm afraid that the central bank digital currency is going to take that that breathing room all, away from a lot of people. If we are tied to a digital currency, though, it would be hard to move away from it because there'll be no other option. <laughs> well, it's going to be a conscious choice. Back to barter. It's going to be a conscious choice because, you know, it's it's hard to give up the consumerism lifestyle. You know, we are we are now yeah. tied to it. I mean, I'm I've been spending a little bit more time in the United States here lately, and I've 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 had an epiphany. You and I are Gen Xers. We grew up as referred to as latchkey kids. You know, come home, unlock the front door. Nobody's home. We had to entertain ourselves, find ourselves a snack after school. Now, what I see in the United States is I see the DoorDash kids. What's a DoorDash kid? Mom and Dad don't come home till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. So Mom calls up the kid and says, what do you want for dinner? Oh, I want Chick-fil-A. She orders it off the phone. The DoorDash people come to the front door, knock on the door. The kid gets the bag of food, and that's dinner. It's, the consumerism is a drug. I mean, it is, it is so enticing to be part of an economy where you can go get anything you want, anytime you want, 24-7. But there are going to be people who are going to make the conscious choice to unplug, as I did. Yeah. I consciously made the choice. I just said, you know what, I don't want to own anything anymore. Because I looked at it and said, owning things is nothing more than just a choker collar around my neck that I can't escape. So I think there will probably be 100 or 200 million people globally that will just unplug from the economies and go out and become digital gypsies. I think that's coming. Digital gypsies is the subject, of course, of our next program. Mm -hmm. But what about Antigua and Barbuda? Countries like Antigua mm -hmm. and Barbuda, we don't have the technology, the infrastructure. We, you know, we rely on cash. Mm -hmm. um, there are many countries like this around the world mm -hmm. that still rely on cash or mm -hmm. credit cards mm -hmm. or checks. Mm -hmm. How are they going to subsume us? Well, there's an upside to the digital gypsy culture is, is that that's a brain drain. So a country that is smart would wake up and say, you know what, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to want to unplug from something that they don't like. Let's make it more appealing here for them. Let's not charge people an ungodly fee to use the internet. Let's have great high-speed DSL. Let's have great technology. Let's open the door to these people and let them come here because they will have money that they want to spend here. And the money that a lot of those digital gypsies are going to be transacting in is Bitcoin. Ah. Uh. 
we won't delve, go on to that one at the moment. You're, you're, okay. you're spilling the thunder from mm. the next one. Mm. But will it? Will any countries like Antigua and Barbuda, obviously small islands, will they be able to maintain their cash status? Or will be completely tied because we depend on other countries. And and this goes back to, and I'm going to throw the Bitcoin out here one more time, and I know that's for a follow-up show, but this was what puzzled me about El Salvador buying Bitcoin. And I said to myself, why doesn't just why doesn't the Central Bank of El Salvador just open its banks to allow custodial deposits of Bitcoin and then they could have Bitcoin in their treasury by default? If a country like El Salvador or Antigua or Colombia or any of these countries was forward-thinking, that would be the door that they would open because then, then it would, you, you might have a secondary economy. You might truly have an economy where we can go and have point of service boxes on the tables and, and buy our dinner in, in the restaurant and pay with Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash or whatever, Bitcoin SV. This, this to me seems like a logical next step to enticing this, this group of people who want to unplug from the game. You're painting a really scary picture here. Well, I, I've been called crazy my entire life, and I have been ahead of the curve so many times that, you know, I feel a little bit like Bill Murray in the movie Groundhog Day. I wake up and I see the same thing happening over and over and over again. I see the pluralistic ignorance of society leading the sheep off the cliff, and I try to march to the beat of a different drum. I'm trying not to paint an image here of just an absolute dystopic world, but I do feel like that the life in the world that we grew up in is never going to come back. Yeah, well, once we go beyond a certain point, and, and the pluralistic ignorance is the one that depresses me almost yes. more than anything. Yes. And it's changed the world, it's changed everything, because the minority yes. try to speak for the majority. Yes. I think they speak for the yes. majority. The same with this currency as well. Mm -hmm. I do find this all rather, rather depressing. Mm -hmm. But we are resilient. People, yes. man, mankind is resilient. And, and it's, it's, you know, I have faith in the human spirit. I don't necessarily have faith in humankind. Okay. I, you know, I, I, like you said, there is always going to be a few people who are going to be able to, to, to rise to the top in spite of all the obstacles. And I think that's what the next 50 years represents in our, in our cultural history. I think there's going to be 1% of the world's globe that are going to unplug and they're going to try to do it differently. Let's be honest. The 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 the, uh, the UN says we're going to reach maximum population global population by the year 2100. I think that's unrealistic. Uh, other groups say 2070. I still think that's unrealistic. I think when we start to see the full blown effects of climate change and inflation hit the global economies, I think we're going to reach peak population probably in the next couple decades. So on the other side of peak population is what? Now you've got an upside down economy. Now you have a, a consumerism economy, a manufacturing economy that was built to feed an entire generation of baby boomers that are now going to start leaving our earth. So what's the world going to look like after that? Potentially. Uh, um, Definitely not inflationary, maybe deflationary. What happens after that? I don't know. Will there be enough people who are smart enough to unplug from where we are today who can, can create a new planet or a new world after that? I hope so. I really don't have any interest in going to space. Um, one reason of that is it goes back to the whole rent seeker mindset. I really don't want to live on a spaceship that's owned by a, by a trillionaire who says, you got to get up and go to work today or I'm going to shut the oxygen off. 
I mean, that whole idea to me, you know, I don't think living in space is going to look like the Enterprise. I, I, I don't think so. I, and it's certainly not something I want to do. We were no, made to I, live. This planet was made especially for us. I like it here. Yeah, this is why we live. I've never quite this understood this, 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 this yes. we must go and move into space. Yes. Gary, on that note, if you're not too depressed, it is hump day. <laughs> <laughs> it is coming to the end of the week. And there are, there are good things coming out of this. Sure. There will be good things yes, coming out. And we will be back in a few weeks looking a little bit more at the, the cryptocurrency and the difference between the two, the real difference, yep. and what a difference that can make to this slightly dystopian picture, yep. um, the digital nomad that we were talking about. Thank, Thank you. you for joining me, Gary. Have a good day.